You're listening to episode five of the Inconvenience Podcast featuring Angel Cloud. Welcome to episode five of the Inconvenience Podcast. I'm Frank Beard. And I'm Al Abeer. And I'm really excited for our guest on this episode. We're talking to Angel Cloud. She is the Director of Food Service Compliance and Corporate RD with ShopRite and the Bourbon Street Deli. This is a really cool 60-plus location chain of convenience stores in Louisiana. And I've had the chance to eat there before, and I really enjoyed it. But I know, Al, this is in your backyard. Oh, it's it's a half a mile from my home, and uh, uh, sometimes they have to get security to usher me out because uh, I love this place so much. <laughs> I, I just hang out and hang out there. It's it's great food, great people. You know, and one thing I think folks are really going to enjoy about this is if they haven't heard of Bourbon Street Deli, and maybe even if they, they have heard of it, I don't know if they fully appreciate the level to which this company is doing food service inside convenience stores. Absolutely. And, and you know, I had a chance to... Uh, uh, to interview uh, John Dan Geelan, who just passed away a, a year or so ago. He started this whole thing at a little town called Crowley. And it was a little C-store, and he was making boudin and was selling a ton of boudin out of the store. And this thing evolved into uh, uh, ShopRite stores all over uh, the region. Uh, then they added the Bourbon Street Deli for food service. Uh, so this this is still... A family operation, and I love family-run C-stores. I love individually-owned C-stores because these people, uh, they get an idea, and they just implement the idea. They they test it out in the office. This tastes good. It doesn't taste good. Let's see how it sells. It doesn't sell well. They get rid of it. It sells well. Boom. They're doing it all over. And that's what I think is exciting about the C-store industry, especially the the, the places that are owned by individuals. They're, they're sort of the – I look at the individual C-store owner as kind of the cowboy uh, of this business. <laughs> you know, I mean, these people are – they shoot from the hip, and it works. They go with it. If it doesn't work, boom, it's out of there. And and Bourbon Street Deli is, is a great example of, of that kind of uh, – you know, uh, shooting from the hip, seeing if it works. And, and I tell you what, just about everything there is a hit. Yeah. The first time I went is when we did a road trip to the NAC show in 2018. And I re- remember going in and they have touchscreen food service. I, I mean, er- everything is just designed beautifully inside the store. I mean, it looks like a serious restaurant. And I think what folks will appreciate about this too is Angel does a really great job of kind of giving us a peek behind the curtain of how they think and how they strategize. But also, I mean, how how you can really just build a, a killer food service program and, you know, start with something that becomes a destination product and build off of that. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, um, the Bourbon Street Deli is in my top five uh, C-stores in America to eat in. I, I, I just, I love it. Uh, and, and you know, what I, what I got from Algel's uh, interview, and, and I think our listeners will as well, I mean, she's very practical. She's a dietitian. But she's not the food police, which I love. <laughs> it's perfectly fine with her if you have something that's a little bit indulgent. But I got to tell you, you're going to find out the number of calories in the boudin, and I think people will be surprised. I was surprised that it's uh, it's it's not uh, unhealthy. Yeah, I actually was too because – I love boudin. Uh, I'm absolutely obsessed with it. But let's be honest, I haven't really wanted to look at the calories the few times I've had it. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was pleasantly surprised to find this out. But um, this is a great episode. I think everyone's going to enjoy it. We actually recorded this at the Bourbon Street Deli. Um, Al brought his mobile podcast kit, piped me in. And so you'll hear a lot of ambient noise. And I got to say, it was busy the whole time that you guys were there. Um, there were constantly customers <laughs> moving around in the background. Oh, God, yeah, that place, you constantly heard ding, ding all, all the time. Yeah, it's a very busy place. It's it's definitely what I would call a kind of a a, a community eatery because uh, you'll go in there and you'll see the sheriff and elected officials in there every morning having coffee, eating breakfast. Uh, people love this place. And, and whether you're just traveling and passing through or whether you're a local, uh, it, it's a favorite amongst everyone. And, and gosh, you know, they're constantly coming up with new things. And and we talked about the uh, the chicken fried steak sandwich, the tasso sandwich, uh, the onion rings. I tell you, if you 
own your own C-Store. If you're an individual owner, you're definitely going to want to pay attention to uh, our conversation with Angel. Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, also, just a quick reminder, we are on iTunes, we are on Spotify, Google Play, practically anywhere that you can listen to a podcast. In fact, I think most of our downloads now do come from iTunes. So be sure to hit that subscribe button. That'll make sure all episodes are downloaded automatically and you don't have to come searching for them. And we have a lot of good guests coming up. At the same time, be sure to follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter being our main accounts. And With that said, let's get into this episode. Let's see what Ogell has to say. Well, you know, we're at one of my favorite places on the planet. I think this is one of the five top, my five top, uh, C-stores in America, the Bourbon Street Deli in Abbeville, Louisiana. Uh, I've never had anything that's even mediocre here. Everything is wonderful. And uh, Ogell has a really unique position in the C-store world. She is a, uh, a registered dietitian. Uh, with with the chain of C stores, tell us a little bit about how that works. Okay, so I came from a healthcare background where my job was focusing on um, food service safety with a a high risk population, and I, in a roundabout way, found an application online for a food service district director with a company that was very vague. Um, I decided, what the heck, let me see what this is about. And when Mr. Bobby, my boss, called me, he said that, well, I work for ShopRite, I work for a gas station. I figured I'd hear him out, even though it sounded a little bit of a little bit out of my comfort zone, and I liked what he said. I liked where the company was going, I liked our goals, and I said, okay, well, let, let's see what we can do for them. And so I think that I have found the best ways to help them out possible so far, and they've put me to good use. So. Frank, you've been here before, and you've had the the boudin, the boudin balls, and things like that. Uh, so I know that when it comes to some of the Cajun specialties like boudin, boudin balls, cracklings, things like that, those are probably not the healthiest foods on the planet, right? <laughs> okay, well, there there's some diversity between those things. So I will say we make all our own boudin. All our boudin balls, all our cracklins, all our pigskins, they all come from our location in Doucin. We're one brand and we, we make it out of one location. Um, positively, while I'm tooting our own horn, our products from Doucin, in, including both the boudin and boudin balls, are made from the same recipe. That recipe is really re- unique to our area in that it does not contain any organ meats. Now, somebody might not know what that means, and that means that we don't use any animal bribe pop- products. There's no liver, there's no heart. We use something that in our world we call muscle meat, which to the regular person that's a Boston butt, a pork loin. Those are the only meat additives that, that go into our products. So our Boudin links are actually under 400 calories, um, have just under 20 grams of protein and less than five grams saturated fat. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, we qualified to be in a joint program with Oshner called Eat Fit. And if our boudin would use brown rice, it would have qualified as an Eat Fit product as an entree. It, it's really top notch for, for this kind of delicacy. Now, I, I had a chance to uh, go to the place where they make the boudin, and a young guy named Trent, right? Mr. Trent Menard, yes. Sir. Okay, Trent Menard, it's his grandfather's recipe. And uh, this place is, it's fantastic. It's, it's like heaven to be around all this boudin. But I guess, Frank, what we probably should do is have Angel tell us and tell the folks out there listening around the planet, what is boudin? Okay, so boudin is a mixture of meat, um, something that we call the holy trinity down here. So things like onions, peppers, uh, spices, and it also includes rice. So like I was mentioning earlier, some people use more meat additives. We don't use any. It keeps our product uh, the way we want it, high quality, and, and it gives us the same flavor every time. So uh, in theory, it's a little bit like a rice dressing, um, but it has its own special twist inside of a casing. Right, and I gotta tell you, one time I went to buy boudin, and this is like years ago, and the lady at the counter said, hey, we don't put spleen in our boudin. And I was shocked, I was like, oh my God, somebody put spleen in boudin? And she she just repeated herself, we do not put spleen in boudin. And after that day, I'm like, gosh, I wonder what's in it, but it tastes so good. You just have to eat this stuff. and uh, I, I can't speak for anybody else's, but I, I can say that I do think ours is top notch. Oh, I got to tell you, your boudin is great because, well, Frank, as you recall, it's, it's spicy, 
Um, and uh, it's it's oh, the texture is good. It's really meaty. We we take a lot of care in the way we, we handle our products. And I got to tell you, Frank, if you're uh, if you're looking for a convenience a convenient food to eat. Food is pretty convenient to eat, isn't it, Michelle? First of all, anything's convenient if you're hungry enough, but you're right, it, it's convenient. So you could, uh, now we don't recommend this, but I know you could probably operate heavy equipment and eat the boudin at the same time. Oh, sure. Because sure. it's in a casing, Yep. and so it's right there, and you got your you got your starch, you got your meat, you got all that in there. It's true, it is a entree. Now, Frank, now, you had it, I'm sorry, go ahead. You, well, you know, one of the things that I find really interesting about boudin, um, it's, People take it really serious down there. I, I mean, from yeah. store to store, from recipe to recipe, people have very strong opinions on boudin. True, man. We have we have entire contests that focus on boudin similar to somewhere else. They may have like cheese tasting type things. I mean, it, it's it's out the ballpark. It's it's a big uh, it's a big attention grabber. It collects a lot of customers, and saying that yours is good is, is a big deal. And you don't want to just say it. You want everybody to agree with you. So we really have to take care of our stuff. Well, now, so for anyone listening, though, um, let's get into ShopRite and Bourbon Street Deli. Because um, you guys have three brands under ShopRite, correct? ShopRite, oh, man. Tobacco we probably Outlet, have more than Bourbon. Three. Oh, wow. We have a lot going on. Um, we have Tobacco Plus. We have ShopRite, which is the largest umbrella. Um, we have Rascals. Um which is what we make the Buna out of. So Bourbon Street Deli breaks down into a few other areas. We have Bourbon Street Deli cafes, a Bourbon Street Deli. Um, and we have 30 something stores just with food in them that have different variations of, of food capabilities and, and that type of stuff. Yeah, so you know, one thing I think a lot of folks don't appreciate about Bourbon Street Deli um, is just how cool it is as a restaurant. I mean, I went to one when Al and I did a road trip to the 2018 NAC show and I mean, you go inside, there's touchscreen ordering. Um, I mean, the ambiance, it feels just like a kind of a casual, um, you know, has some kind of Southern charm to it in a way. Um, right. I mean, a lot of a lot of purples, greens, yellows. It just feels sure. like, you know, a restaurant down south. Um, I mean, it's it's a really good place to get food. Right. And I'm super glad you're saying it. But true, true to its definition, we, we take pride in Louisiana culture. It's one of the beautiful things about working for this company. We're family owned. We're Louisiana owned. And our, our boss and the people he put in charge make sure that they support local Louisiana communities. All of our seafood is from Louisiana. All our fish, our oysters, you name it. Um, all Louisiana based, all U.S. based. And we've made sure to do our best to keep our business local. Um, our crab patties, our crawfish comes just down the road from where I live. Same thing with the alligator. Uh, so in, in alliance with that, we've done our best to create atmospheres that show what Cajun culture is. Something a little more laid back, something comfortable, something that shows all our, our favorite colors, the green, purple, and yellow of Mardi Gras. And uh, I think they've done a good job of encompassing what, you know, how we feel about our culture. And see, this is one of the things, this is one of the things I think is really cool about the fuel and convenience industry, though. It's like, all right, so a place like Bourbon Street Deli is definitely going to compete against a McDonald's uh, for attention when folks are looking for, oh, the food's way better at Bourbon Street Deli. But it's like, all right, so McDonald's is the same in every state, basically. It's going to be the same offer. Sometimes the stores are going to look the same. But for fuel and convenience retailers, um, you know, you're probably not going to see the Bourbon Street Deli, of course, up in... Seattle or San Francisco or other, you know, it's local. So I think what's so cool is um, how local brands like Bourbon Street Deli can just really compete against these well-established, well-funded QSR brands. Um, right. I mean, if it's up to me, that's where I'd be going. we've been in communities for so long that um, people have, the, the best part of marketing is whenever somebody has certain emotions or certain feelings towards a location and us being here for so long, um, our owner's family being so well known, it's really created an environment of, of support for our community and, and they support us and it's really amazing. It's really great. Now, you know, Frank, I, 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 we probably need to revisit for, for people who are listening out here. When she was going through the list of food, she mentioned alligator. And I suppose we <laughs> I should explain that. to people that uh, here in Cajun country, uh, we eat alligator, while in most parts of the world, uh, alligators will eat other people, but we eat them right back. Tell we us a eat bit about anything that. that doesn't eat us first, and so that includes alligator. Um, alligator down here is formed, um, cut up like, like any other meat you would expect. It's carved from the animal. 
Uh, we have a couple of local areas that do it, and, and that's where we get our alligator meat from. Uh, most of the alligator meat is actually from the alligator tail, if anybody is curious to know. And it's, it's relatively expensive, because as you can imagine, there's a little bit of work that goes into getting alligators. So. Now, Ochelle, I know a lot of people out there listening are wondering, what, now what does alligator taste like? Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what would you compare it to? I honestly think it's a little bit of a mixture between pork and fish. It's, it's not quite chicken. It does seem like a little bit of a wider meat than pork. So I, I would go with a comfortable scale between pork and fish. <laughs> there you go, Frank. You know, it's, it's so very funny. Very lean, guys. Anyone listening, it is very lean. So it's healthy. I would go as far as to say it's, it's healthy. You know, it's funny. One of the last times I was down there, I went to speak at a conference that was in uh, uh, New Orleans, down on Bourbon Street, and um, or I think somewhere in the French Quarter. I think it was out on Bourbon Street. But we went to this dinner and event that was at a place outside of the city. And, I mean, you know you're in New Orleans when you get off the uh, bus to go there at night, sure. and the first thing they pass out is packets uh, full of DEET, you know, to right. keep all the mosquitoes off you. So there I'm you like, go. all right. Well, the water right by one of the outdoor areas we were at um, – the lady kept telling us, don't get too close to that water. Those gator signs are no joke. And we noticed some eyes looking back at us. And then about five minutes later, this like nine foot gator just walks out of the water and just sits there staring at us. So she's telling everyone, don't get too close to that. Those things run quick and they'll lunge and cover about 10 feet just like this. And so we asked her, we said, so has it ever gotten anyone? And she goes, well, we'll have weddings here and guys sometimes get a little overconfident once they get a few drinks in them. And it's chased them around the property a few times, uh, but it's never gotten anyone. It's just, it's always funny coming down there to realize that any body of water, you should probably just suspect that there's a gator in there somewhere. I mean, being cautious is always positive. <laughs> now, Frank, to get a perspective on, on a nine-foot gator, if you look at the ceiling in the room you're sitting or if you're listening out there, take a look at your ceiling. Odds are your ceiling is an eight-foot ceiling. And try to imagine a creature from the top of your ceiling to the to your floor. Right. Uh, that's a big creature. And they're strong, and uh, and they'll eat you, but they are delicious. So eat them and first. And we, we love alligators so much that we actually have an alligator as our I would say mascot or logo captain on our uh, rewards app for the company for the Buku Rewards app. We have a beautiful little alligator on there just decorating it for us. So I'm actually curious, how, how does your, your app work? Obviously, reward apps are a big deal in the fuel and sea store industry at the moment. Right. Everyone's um, trying to figure out that sweet spot sure. to really make it work. Our marketing director, uh, Ms. Carter, does a great job with trying to figure out what our customers want, what they would want to see. And so what we have going on is a a customer would check out, they would enter their phone number, which is linked to their account. Um, It also uses their email and money purchases go go towards their points. Um, Points can be used to either redeem products that we have available or you can discount products that we have available. But we also have a reward store that's a work in progress. But um, positively, we have a few specials for ourselves in the deli. Uh, for instance, $5 off a box of boudin, uh, free boudin balls with a certain amount of points, uh, discounted cheeseburgers, and um, stuff like that. So, I mean, if you're going to buy it already, you might as well get rewarded for it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's always a good point. So I, I'm actually curious, too. Um, you know, being, being a dietitian, especially at a convenience store, um, I think there's always that delicate balance of maintaining the healthy and the indulgent offerings. I mean, obviously, you don't want to alienate a core customer uh, by sure. making them think that suddenly the store is going to go vegan or that it's uh, right, right. going to um, you know sell products that they may not be interested in. But there's such a large segment of consumers that just haven't been served by fuel and convenience stores traditionally. And sure, you know, um, the good news is we have not had to necessarily recreate. Um, We've recreated some things. We have not invented anything. All we've done is taken ideas from, from things we see that we like, things like um, snack trays, uh, whole wheat, whole grain breads, whole wheat, whole grain wraps, wraps in general. Those are all things that we brought on since I started working here. Um, we've expanded some of our salad options, stuff like that. So really, it hasn't been hard taking the ideas we have and just maybe tweaking things here or there. And the company's been so great with offering me the opportunity to really look at our recipes, look at our options, um, look into 
maybe lower sodium options, different seasonings, that kind of stuff. So they've really given me some room for constructive criticism to apply and, and new ideas to, to take run. So um, that being said, whenever companies find out that we have a dietitian, they'll bring certain things for us to taste and they're gonna be like, oh man, she's gonna love this. And, and they brought me a few things and quite honestly, I probably couldn't give them away to some of our customers. So I know they're not right for us. So our goal is to, um, not we're not building anything new we're just trying to offer things that people are already looking for that we already have available but tweaking them so that they meet a new consumer profile um, it hasn't been nearly as hard as you would think and and that's really positive <laughs> that's yeah that's that's definitely exciting it's you know I, I think convenience stores get a bad rap sometimes because of what goes on with food deserts and I mean the fact of the matter is there there are some communities in the United States where it's just virtually impossible to provide access to a grocery store because of sure. maybe how many folks are there or just right. the population density of the area and I mean the fact is that sometimes a convenience store is the only place that's really able to serve it and make money um, just because right. of where it's located but I think they sometimes of course get unfairly blamed for the food desert scenario when really I, I think sure. virtually any convenience store would love to sell healthier products. It's just, it's not the easiest thing to, to get into when you haven't been doing it for years. Right. And, and we definitely have to balance things like um, waste. So it, it is a little bit intimidating to, to show people, well, look, let's, let's give it a try here. Let's try here first. We, we know we have the market. Let's see what sells best here. And then we'll bring it to another market environment where it might have a little bit tougher of a time. So strategically, we've just had to determine where should we start things, where should we trial things, um, and, and hope for the best. And then when something works, we, we spread it out. Do you it, it's really such a dynamic environment being in the seed store industry that um, something that succeeds one place may not succeed another. And, and that's okay. It, that's whenever it's beneficial for us to have our fingers in, in so many avenues and so many communities because we can change our approaches. And, and that's what we've been working towards. So I'm, I'm also curious, do you, do you think sometimes some of the retailers just struggle though um, because maybe they lack a food service background and they don't understand how to deal with waste, how to deal with, I mean, just some of the basics that come with running food service it's it's different than retail sure um especially around here we we eat so many things and and eating is a part of our culture we eat for fun we eat for get-togethers we eat when we're bored uh we eat all the time so it's it's really second nature for somebody to think okay well i'm going to put this out to sell because it looks good i eat it it's surely going to sell and then when it doesn't sell it's like oh my goodness what happened what did i mess up where did i go wrong um, so surely it, it would make sense that, that people would get a little bit intimidated. Um, luckily, my company had, had paved the way for me to have a platform of success to, to develop some of the things we're going for, some of the things my boss wants me to figure out. Um, so I, I'm, I'm lucky in that I, I have a positive place to begin and a positive place to work from. Uh, but for somebody just starting out, I would definitely think that it's important to um, focus on, on one goal, maybe focus on certain things, be it a bread product, a wrap product. Start, start in one place, see where that takes you, see, see what you can find from what you're trying to sell, and then diversify from there. I, biting off more than you can chew would be detrimental, I would think, off the bat. Oh, Shale, what's the overstuffed shrimp po' boy is pretty popular, right? Very popular. Very, we put it on billboards. I'm willing to make a t-shirt with it. It just hadn't happened yet. So it's very popular. So Frank, let me explain what this is. And you know, cause you were mentioning McDonald's and uh, during Lent, you can get an overstuffed shrimp po' boy. Uh, what else comes with that? Fries or onion rings? Oh, sure. We have lots of side options. We have things like homemade chips, homemade onion rings, French fries, sweet potato fries. Um, after something we call an upcharge, so you might pay a little bit extra, but we have things like potato salad, uh, we have side salads, we have red beans and rice, which if you like red beans and rice, it's really great. Um, so we have a lot of side options available. But Darren let you guys package it all together, and, and one year I came here, got it, and it was it was less than a meal deal at McDonald's. I think you had... Uh... It really is. Oh, wow. Unbelievably cheap for what you're getting, and, and it's not a joke. Um, I'm really excited because it's something I get to benefit from as a customer. At the same time, sometimes I hand it to people and I'm like, oh my goodness, we're, we're losing. It feels like we're losing money, man. No look, joke. <laughs> look, I, I counted the shrimp on it once. There were two dozen shrimp on my six-inch po' boy. 24 shrimp. That's right. incredible. It's a is. lot of shrimp on a po' boy, and you actually have to take them off to put it in your mouth. And to me, that's one of the... I, I love I love that about the Bourbon Street Deli, and uh, that, that that is such a huge, successful sandwich. What else is... What are the other big sellers here? Um, 
we do sell oysters at some of our locations and they're successful where we've kept them. Uh, we have Louisiana catfish, that's really popular. Uh, our onion rings, I, I'll be honest with you guys, I don't even like onions, I don't care for onions, I'm one of those weird kids that like, you know, still picks them out of my food. Oh, uh, but I will way. say, I'll put my onion rings up against anybody else's onion rings. They're I the eat them once on a day, the they're fantastic. Best on the planet. They're just so good. And, um, and the reason, they're fresh onions. Yes, they are. We slice them ourselves. Hand Man, battered. They're so good. So oh my good. God, it's incredible. Um, our chicken tenders are really, really big compared to some of our competitors, so I would say that's super popular. Our hamburgers are fantastic. They're purchased relatively locally also. Uh, the seasoning on them is great. They, they hold up real well. We're talking beef. <laughs> they're very good. Because a lot of people, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening now, especially if you're an individual sea store owner, uh, one of the things I get a lot is, you know, how do we find a signature menu item or, you know, how do we, you know, uh, get people to buy more of our food? And I think you've done a, an excellent job here at the Bourbon Street Deli with a real attention to detail. The fresh onions for the onion rings, right. the uh, overstuffed shrimp po' boy. Uh, God, all those things are, are magnificent. Uh, if somebody's out there trying to figure out where they're going to go with a, a, a food program, sure. I mean, what should they be thinking about? You gotta listen to your customer. If if there's somebody out there, let's say you have a, a favorite restaurant to go to and you're like, man, their hamburgers are just the absolute best. Okay guys, guess what? You're probably not gonna make better hamburgers than them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you need to figure out what your customer would want. What are they willing to go to you for? What can you sell at a reasonable price? You know, because I mean, your, your markup is super important. So you can't lose money. And at the same time, it has to be something you can market. So what are your customers willing to buy? What are they hungry for? What can you sell conveniently that doesn't put your labor budget over the top? Labor budget is another really big thing. Um, things like that. For instance, there's, there's a local company that, well, I say local, I don't necessarily know where they're out of, but there's a, a company that a lot of places around here sell pizza through. Uh, so they're, they're a pizza brand. Our pizza, in very few locations that we might still have it, just, just a tiny, tiny amount, it just doesn't sell real well because in a customer's mind, this pizza is, is the way to go. So we know we are not slamming pizza in all of our locations because it's not what's gonna sell. People don't wanna buy pizza from us. People wanna buy um, fantastically priced things that have a Cajun flavor. So uh, we make things like a Mardi Gras Mambo Combo that can be on our on our po' boy bread, we have panini breads. It involves uh, turkey, roast beef, ham if you so choose. We incorporate chicken breasts. We just try to make things that our customers are, are looking for that aren't necessarily available somewhere else that we can produce within our budget and hopefully market. And and there's no, there shouldn't be fear associated with failure. There should be learning associated with failure. So don't waste your time being scared. Waste your time learning. And, and then you're not wasting it at all. So just figure out what your customer wants, oh, that's, first that's, and foremost. That's great advice. Have you, have you tried anything that didn't work? Is there anything in your mind that you go, oh God. Yeah, um, specifically we, we tried a few options in our snack packs, um, particularly, for example, pepperoni isn't a great seller in our snack packs, which honestly is fine by me, but hey, when I, when I if you look at a couple brands that let's say Walmart sells, where they sell pepperoni, so I'm like, well heck, let's try pepperoni. Pepperoni didn't work out. Um, other than that, we've been really lucky, and and we're we don't just throw something out there and hope it sticks. I mean, we we do our best to do our research, we we think really hard about our options. So our goal is is success every time, um, and we've been really lucky with that. Uh, for instance, the wraps, we weren't real sure how that was going to go. We brought in an original flavor, um, a whole wheat whole grain option, and we also brought in. Um, a spinach option and we were like oh man people around here might not buy that green one no we're selling the green one so wow i'm yeah, impressed look at that frank <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're getting healthy here we're, just we're like selling you. the green one man right of course it's healthier when it's green right absolutely yeah. absolutely hey with all the locations I'm, I'm almost curious how do you how do you train your staff uh to maintain the consistency of all the stuff here because there's a you know everybody here their gumbo everybody's gumbo tastes different uh, right. And so, I mean, how do you get these folks back here 
behind us to on the same page, on the right, same page right. every single day to do it the way it right. takes. Uh, I mean, of course, that, that is a constant struggle. It, it's a battle that we fight every day, but that, that's just part of being in a convenience store. We do have turnover. That is something we deal with, even though we try to avoid it and treat, treat everyone as best as we can, there is turnover. So in those situations, you have to really put a lot of faith in your managers and your deli managers and your store managers that they will not only steer your employees correctly, but they're going to set the bar. Um, beyond that, when we're training a new manager, we send them to our most successful locations. A location like this place in Abbeville that has a huge expansive menu. Um, we have a very large menu in Crawley, Louisiana. We have a huge menu, uh, the, almost nearly the exact same menu, uh, available in Marksville, available in Alexandria. So when you know you have those places that are successful, that they're going to see a high volume, they're going to be put to the test, they're going to learn rapidly, um, make best use of their time and your time as a company, we send them to those locations for training. <laughs> So uh, it's, it's kind of like training by firing squad, but hey, it's worked out for us so far. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> training by firing squad. It is squad. true, man. Sink or swim. Not with alligators, but sink or swim. <laughs> so, you know, one thing, again, I mentioned this that I think is really cool about the Bourbon Street Deli, um, and for anyone who is unfamiliar, you can find photos of this online pretty easily, is your touchscreen food ordering. I, I mean, remember a few years ago when McDonald's introduced this and everyone's like, oh my gosh, McDonald's right, has kiosks, right? No right and right like, there with Taco Bell now. Yeah, and it's like, man, have you guys not been to a feel or convenience store? They were so right. early to this trend. Um, right. I mean, Sheets, Sheets was doing them, I believe, back in 96. Uh, right. Old CRT monitors. I mean, it looks ancient. Probably the same screens that Sears still has in their stores above their dressing rooms. Uh, Sears is so outdated. But anyway, um, so what have what have you guys learned from from touchscreen? I would your touchscreens. I would assume you track the um, the behavior and the data on there pretty closely. Um, to look, I don't. Yeah, somehow I'm not really sure how it gets fed off of the the kiosk screen, but um, our kiosk here, we're constantly. Mr. Bobby does a great job of that. He's constantly um, editing them, adding options, making changes. Uh, so, for instance, uh, all of our items are so easily customizable. That's something that our customers might not realize unless they have a kiosk in front of them. So, like at this location, we have three kiosks. Um, we also have a kiosk at the ordering point for the cash register. Um, and when you when you get into our touch screen, you really see how many options for dressing we have, how many options on sandwiches, um, sauces, bread types. Uh, we sell egg whites in, instead of whole eggs sometimes oh, wow. if somebody would choose to have that. So we have so many options that I'm really excited for people to start um, taking advantage of the more comfortable they get with our kiosk system. Uh, so we are looking at spreading out kiosk here and there. We're putting a, a brand new system, well, new to the location, a brand new location um, in Port Barry. We're expanding what they're doing. They're going to have a kiosk soon. It's really great. It's such a great point of growth because our employees are able to see what they're offering now and our customers are able to see what they offer. And it's just so user-friendly. Um, and beneficially for us, we all know people eat with their eyes first. So a customer is able to see a photo of what it's going to look like and, and what they can anticipate. Um, so not only does that help hold us accountable to, to our portions and that sort of stuff, but um, it might pop some interest in our brisket sandwiches that somebody's like, oh man, I don't know if I want a brisket. Let me tell you, if you see the picture, you want our brisket sandwich. So stuff like that, it's really beneficial to us as a company to have a kiosk system with, with such great um, inner workings and photos. See, and, and, and that's great because I'm really like you in the sense that I don't like onions either, to be honest. Not at all, I, man. <laughs> I think they just ruin food, right? They're weird. Um, I mean, Texas maybe some weird, they're weird. Maybe some onion powder, like to where I don't even oh, know what's yeah. in there, but onion powder's the way to go. But yeah, they they just overpower flavors, and no doubt, I, I don't like them. But you know, with touchscreens, it's like you can drive so many more sales by just giving someone the option to maybe not have onions on it. Uh, I mean, think about every kid who comes through and is not going to get something specifically because of the onions. Right, man, and an onion will ruin something real quick if it's on there for more than you know a few seconds. It's just the whole thing's onionized and it just smells oh, like yeah. an onion. So it and it's helpful because our our employees get to see okay, no onions, no cucumbers. Add this, take away that, and it really puts it so plainly for us on our receipt system that it it makes making orders that much easier. We have that much more confidence that we're giving the customer what they want. Uh, one thing we're working towards on our kiosk system is adding an option for uh, easy or extra. So we're going to start adding easier extra buttons. We actually uh, had it created by our company the other day. Um, and we'll be incorporating those into our sauce options and, and stuff like that. And something so simple, I really think is going to be beneficial to our customers because now they won't have to put um, 
I forget quite what it says, but uh, I think it might say special request. That's what it is. It says special request, and that's so vague. And then our employees have to worry, did I forget something? What was their special request? So it's a constant battle to, to stay up in what our customers expect and what we can offer. And, and so that's why we work so closely with our developing companies, our software companies, because we want to offer the very best. And sometimes you have to remind companies that that's what you expect. So uh, we do our best to stay on top of this whole chaos system development phase. Yeah, touchscreens, I mean, offer so much potential for C-stores. Um, no doubt. I mean, to your point about what do you want extra of, what do you want double of, um, right. I really like, for example, the touchscreens that Bucky's uses in Texas. When you go in, oh, they'll say, what do you want none of? And I just love right. that option. Because yep. to your point, then you don't have to do a special request or, right. I mean, I'm one of those people, if I have bacon on something, I want it extra crispy. Like I just want it torched sure. basically. Right. And, but you get tired of being that person where it's like flagging it someone down nagging. and yeah. Right. yeah. And saying, yes. Hey, sorry to bug you, but can right. you just like to- By you know, the torch way. that bacon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really understand growing up a picky eater. I can tell you that's something I hold near and dear to my heart. <laughs> one of the things I like to hear, I came here one night and got boudin balls and they asked if I wanted the boudin balls fried extra crispy or not, which I thought was fantastic. Sure. And and stuff like that takes so little effort, but it, it seems so special. That, that's part of customer service and being local, taking care of our own families and, and taking care of our neighbors. That's something that we really want to achieve. We want every customer to know that their preferences are not only important to us, but they're, they're also our goal. And so things like that, I hope will continue to put us in the mind of our customers. I've always had your staff <clears throat> engage me. I was at your Crowley store at seven o'clock one morning heading to a, a job in Austin and um, went in there and, and that's one of the unique places they serve Middle Eastern food there. They did. They, they still serve it there? Um, to a degree, we do. We, we've narrowed down a little bit of what we offer, whereas before the whole place was actually marketed towards um, a Lebanese menu profile. Right. So we, we have made some changes. We do still have um, the seasoning available. Believe it or not, it's almost it's super duper similar to a blackened seasoning. So oh, we've really? actually started marketing, and marketing it as a blackened season, and it's done very well. Uh, true to Cajun culture, we're a little bit sheltered and, and we like what we're used to. So sometimes Greek food, Lebanese food, it, it's difficult to take off around here unless you're well known. So we, we switched it to black end and not only are we all able to offer it to our customers, but it's it's seen as less intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, actually we, it can be considered chicken shawarma. It can also be considered blackened chicken. I gotta uh, tell you, it was real great. so good. I had it for breakfast, but I gotta tell you, Frank, the staff there, was so engaging. I mean, I walked in there and people came around from the back to tell me good morning. Right. I, um, I actually work at our Crowley location during Lent because positively it's all hands on deck when Lent happens because that's how much food we, we hope to sell and we continue to sell every year. So every Friday I, I wear my scrubs, I put on my, my deli hat and I get to work. Um, honestly, I had literally never deep fried anything in my entire life. Wow. Yeah, because my dad's a cook and so he would cook for us, but I am really good at frying stuff now, you guys. I am supreme it's a great skill at to frying fall back food. On. Yeah, I mean, I, and I love to cook. I love to cook almost as much as I love to eat. I love to eat a little bit more, but I, I love to cook with those guys. They're so deserving of the help. I, I love seeing our customers. It really gives me that. Um, in hospital terms, it really gives me that point of care that, that I can have with our customers, and it's really a beautiful thing. And it helps me to see what improvements can I suggest, what's something that they might want to improve but forget to tell me, because our, our employees are so busy. Um, so sometimes they'll say, you know, I really wish this, or I, I wish it was this way, and it gives us awesome feedback. So um, me, uh, well, myself, I should say, myself, my boss, um, Miss Melissa, our, our new district manager, we're all going to be all hands on deck, frying shrimp and tossing things in sauce and making it happen for our customers with our, our rest of our staff. It's really a great time to be in our industry. One of the cool things you do here is a muffalata. And, and Frank, are you familiar with a muffalata? Man, I can't say I'm familiar with that one. I so mean, it, I've heard of it, but I'm trying to remember what it is exactly. It's a New Orleans thing. It's an Italian sandwich that was developed in the early part of the last century, early 1900s. Uh, at the Central Grocery in New Orleans. And it was for Italian workers uh, because there were a lot of Italians moving to New Orleans. They were doing a lot of construction work there. <clears throat> and this sandwich is about, it's on an eight inch bun. 
So it's pretty big. It's, not it's a, huge. It's huge. It's real huge. Um, we do offer whole muffaladas, but I tell you what, unless you have at least four really hungry adult men, four, you know, a full muffalada is going to be a lot. Um, but what we do offer are half muffaladas, quarter muffaladas. Um, it includes uh, two types of salami, ham, and it also has this really special mixture of something called olive salad, which is olives, onions, peppers. Um, I know that onion word was in there, but it's not strong, I promise. Um, and an olive oil mixture. So we drain it well, real well, which makes a huge difference. Makes a huge, that's <laughs> huge what sets difference. this muffalato apart from yes. most of it. It's I not think. oily. This is the best muffalato west of New Orleans. Right. And, you know, that, you know, Bobby told me about that. Uh, right. Mr. Bobby ago. is from the New Orleans area. He knows what a good muffalata is. Same thing similar to po' boy bread. He has an expectation of it being something that he feels supports what he grew up with, what meets his expertise. Um, so he's really held those things to very high accountability, um, down to our bread com companies and the types of salami we use. Um, and we've done something really interesting with our muffalata. We actually started making a seafood muffalata last year. I didn't yeah, know that. So, oh my God. I know. Well, you're welcome. So it has um, shrimp, fried shrimp, fried fish, and it also can include oysters. That's what it standardly comes with. You can take them off if you want. Wow. Yeah. And so that took off last year. Um, I'm hoping this year it makes a little bit bigger of a splash for uh, a little niche there at the seafood world um but yeah so it's a great bread it was something that was selling well and we're like hey what if we throw fried seafood on it <laughs> is, is that a lint thing it's it's all year man all year uh, but i would love for somebody to buy it during lint too. oh my god it works out. a seafood muffalata seafood it's beautiful it's insane it's really pretty oh i bet it's great yeah yep. you know what i love here frank i think i may have told you about that you guys introduced a chicken fried steak sandwich and uh, I've gained a lot of weight on chicken fried steak, but this sandwich <laughs> is one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. Okay, when you order chicken fried steak, you get the steak, of course. Now, chicken fried steak is basically a cutlet that's tenderized, battered, Smashed down. and then yeah. deep fried. Sure. Yep. And then it's served with a white gravy and always with Texas toast. So what some genius here at Bourbon Street Deli decided to put all this on bread and make a sandwich and, right. and uh i love this thing it's it's really really huge i mean it's it's not just a small run-of-the-mill chicken fried steak it's it's significantly larger than the palm of my hand it, it it's goes as on big the, as your face yes it goes it goes all over the outside of the bread oh uh, yeah the texas toast does not cover it all and we include the, the white pepper gravy on there and oh, it, that's good it's stuff. a hearty sandwich i'll say that now see that's uh, really common up, up here in the midwest um right. i mean really? for example if you go to the east side of des moines and go to um you know any restaurant that's been open for the past 20 years or more they're probably going to have a chicken fried steak um it's so ubiquitous up here um they're delicious they're so good right I'm not the best for you sandwich. but they really taste good oh yeah i you know i i, I gotta tell you what amazed me about this was the size right i mean, I mean it's huge and it's i something have, i have portion control issues i can eat a lot of stuff <laughs> and i gotta tell you just the sandwich by itself is so filling uh i have to post i think i may have posted some pictures on facebook you did when i came here and oh my god that thing is like and i know we said good. that y'all were going to include it um in the information available for the podcast but um for anyone out there y'all go follow our facebook page i'm sure they'll make the link available follow our facebook pages follow our our profiles that kind of stuff we first of all i post a lot of pictures but we post a lot of pictures of our food i mean really it's it is beautiful to behold <laughs> oh my god it is beautiful and you know the pictures are great but gosh you know it tastes as good as it looks frank that is what we strive for. Oh, my In fact, God. I'm pulling up Bourbon Street Deli right now. Please I'm do. I'm pretty hungry, so I probably shouldn't do this, but let's just take a look. Well, start making your start making your list now, and, and whenever you come down here, you'll know what to take advantage of. Fly down we'll here, Frank, because it, the weather's rather <laughs> nice right now. Well, see, the thing I'm seeing right now, um, you know, obviously we're filming this, at the, uh, recording this at the store right now, is that frozen-to-go section. Because um, I remember when I went there last time, it was just chuck full of frozen boudin to take home. And right. Thinking, man, I got to find a way to get this back up to Iowa. Right. We do ship, guys. If you go to our store um, website, you can find it under Rascals. We do offering shipping options. Um, so if you're desperate, man, there's a will, there's a way. We can ship it out to you. I, I think this is... I mean, I, I, I didn't realize that you could ship boudin. That's we sure can. Dry wow. ice, the whole nine yards. Trent actually takes care of the shipping of all that, too. So not only does he make it, but he'll send it right to your door. 
Man, Trent, I love this guy. He's young, and it's his, I just, I know I've said this, it's his grandfather's recipe. So, you know, he makes it with love, and uh, gosh, it's good, you know. Yeah. We all have pride in, in what we offer here, and I, I think that makes a big difference. Now, y'all do yeah, a I've hamburger a po' boy, right? We do make a hamburger po' boy. Oh, that thing's insanely yeah, good. Yeah, if you like hamburgers, you put that sucker on, on some high-quality po' boy bread, and it's hard to beat. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of good stuff here. We've got a Sunday pancake platter. Sure do. That's cool. at our Jennings location. That is a full-service restaurant. So we have waiters and waitresses. Uh, oh, really? Yes. In Jennings, we have a full-service restaurant. It's the only one we have like that in the company, and uh, it does take a lot to run, but it runs like a well-oiled machine. Now, when did that? When did you all start doing that? Oh, a long time. Really? As long as I can remember it, it's been there. No, a full-service restaurant full in service a seat restaurant. store. So right that's... attached to our truck stop. Yep. Oh, wow. There's okay. also a casino back there, guys. So we have a truck stop, a casino, and a full-service restaurant. Oh, wow. And we also have a really big stuffed alligator that people really like to take pictures with. Pretty oh, that cool. sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. Fun. See, that's actually, you know, the pancake platter caught my eye because one of the things I think is so interesting with fuel and convenience stores right now is, okay, we all know that they're just killing it on, on coffee. I mean, if you look at the brands that have really thrown their hat in the ring with coffee, um, you know, uh-huh. Wawa, Sheets, uh, Twice right. Daily in Nashville, you know, folks that have really made a strong offer, they're they're on par or better than any any chain coffee shop in the area. Right. Um, and coffee's so important for that breakfast day part. But then there's some some stores that you'll go to, certain retailers that just have the same breakfast sandwiches as everybody else. And right. sitting here thinking, all right, you're putting all this effort into coffee. Um, I mean, I won't name anybody, but some of them, they put so much effort into coffee and then they just drop the ball on the food. It's mediocre. Yeah. But no one wants to go to two different places in the morning. I mean, no one wants to get the coffee at the C store and then go down the street to a QSR and wait wait 10 minutes in their drive. We are community coffee servers and anyone in Louisiana knows what community coffee is. Um, But we've also done our best to... To put a little bit of a Cajun flair to a lot of things, we offer that that restaurant location um, actually offers, uh, well, all our delis offer things like omelets. Um, we very recently brought back um, po' boy, uh, Tasso po' boys. Um, so, I love those. That yeah, they're really oh my good. God, those so, things are good. Uh, tasso meat, for anyone out there who doesn't really know what that is, is, is pork meat that is um, smoked and seasoned really well. Uh, it's virtually non-perishable, similar to beef jerky, but not quite there yet. Uh, And we rip it apart at most of our locations and throw that on a po' boy bread, and it's been doing really well. So that's actually even available with your breakfast sandwiches should you choose to add to your breakfast sandwiches. Oh, Tasso. Tasso, you actually use Tasso to season things like beans and and gravy and things like that. Normally it's an additive, but we went the whole extra block and made it our main entree. (laughs) That is a brilliant sandwich. It's so good. Brilliant sandwich. I love that thing. So I want to switch gears here just a little bit and get back to your uh, your background. So you came into the C-Store world from the um, from working in hospitals, correct? My background is in hospitals. So I, um, I started off my first year in a, a large clinical hospital in Lake Charles, Louisiana. I soaked up as much information as they were willing to give me, uh, but I wanted a little bit more room for personal growth. And the reality of it is that there's not too many positions for dietitians out there. And I knew that if I wanted to move up, then I had to make strategic chess-like plans for myself. Um, So a position opened up for a uh, director of nutrition position, as well as clinical dietitian married in one position in a small rural hospital um, in central Louisiana. And that sounded like a pretty good move to me. So I talked them into hiring me and I hope they can agree that I did a good job there. I'm actually still their dietitian. but I work from home. Uh, so I did that for almost five years. And after that, I felt like I grew as much as I could there. I wanted something different. And during my time there, I learned what food service is, how to pass um, inspections, JCO inspections. They really you know, put you, put you to the test in hospital environments. And I just really wanted to use what I know and my I'm kind of a go-getter, and so I wanted to be able to use that in an environment that I could benefit from, but they could benefit from me. And so I figured food service was the way to go, um, because I had kind of peaked in the hospital world for small hospitals. Um, So I, like I was saying earlier, answered a random ad for a food service district director. I I met with my boss, and he said, you know, we're kind of interested in hiring a dietitian, but we didn't know where to find you guys. And I'm like, well, you're welcome, because here I am. And so we kind of created the position for me, and 
I hope they're as thankful that I'm on board as I'm thankful that they pulled me on board. And um, we've really done some great things in a very short amount of time. I've been here just over a year now in September, and we have so much left to accomplish. And I, I think you're the first dietitian I've run into. I, I mean, I stop in a lot of places. Frank travels the world. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think I've met a dietitian with a sea store. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, I'm, I'm still a little bit of an odd duck uh, in, in our area, especially in Louisiana. Um, some people still don't even know what dietitians are or where we come from and that we're not aliens. So um, not only am I a dietitian, but I've been invited into this environment that as a dietitian, we have so much we can do and we can achieve and we can offer. Um, so even though it might be a little bit out of the standard practice for a dietitian, I just know that there's so much more room for potential in what we can do for these types of companies. Yeah. Um, and even though I think I do a good job, I know somebody out there can do a better job. So I definitely want people to to shoot for the stars, you know, go, go for what you you want, look for a good company and make something happen for yourself. So one thing I'm curious is for, for any retailers who are listening, what, what should they be doing to leverage the, um, you know, the capabilities of, of any dietitian that they look at hiring or, and I guess before we get into that, I think a lot of folks actually don't understand the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist. Sure. That's probably worth digging into as well. It, well, I mean, for the chip on our shoulder for all dietitians, I think it's definitely something that's important to talk about. Um, my title is actually a dietitian nutritionist. That's something that our, um, our, our dietetics national board has decided to start credentialing us as because people out there say, well, I'm, I'm a nutritionist. I'm an expert in nutrition, whatever, coach, and whatever the word they want to throw out there. The reality of it is that anyone who takes a two-minute online course can call themselves a nutritionist. And it's, it's really terrible. It's relatively disgusting in my personal opinion, although I definitely encourage self-education in the nutrition realm. Uh, we're out there going to college for four years and then doing an, an unpaid, in most cases, internship to, to really be able to guide people and patients with diets and, and be able to give prescription diets. Um, and so it's hard because people kind of try and tread on our territory, but that's why it's important that we hold ourselves as dietitians to a higher standard. Um, we stick to the facts. We research things before they come out of our mouths. And so, yeah, so I'm technically a licensed and certified dietitian nutritionist. Um, so for a company out there looking for someone like myself, I would say definitely start with somebody in food service, somebody that has an understanding of, of what customer service is or, or patient service, because in hospitals we have to fight for our patients too. They have, they have freedom of choice, um, just like customers do. So I would look for someone who has those qualities and holds them high. Uh, high food service quality and high customer service quality are, are number one. After that, you're gonna need somebody who's willing to learn and learn quickly. Um, this is a very dynamic environment, and if they're not up to um, changes and aren't intimidated by changes, then that's the type of person you're looking for. Um, so I would say start there. Um, in some cases, it's it's been important to me that I, I work well with really just about everybody. I'm willing to put anything I believe aside to, to help others and, and meet others' needs. So that's really important too. You have to have somebody that's open-minded. Um, that's that's what I would shoot for as a company. When you, how do you come up with a new menu item? I mean, how, what's the process? Uh, I assume someone thinks of it and, and says, hey, let's try it. And then, sure. so how do you all go through, you know, the, the idea to, to putting it out for customers? Um, one of the first things, well, there's some, some first things we look at. Is it something that we can sell for a profit to our customer base? Guys, they're not looking to come in here and spend, they're, they're not looking to spend like they would at a restaurant. That's just the nature of the beast in a, in a convenience store. So is it something that's high quality that we can sell at, at the right price for a customer to be willing to buy it. Um, how hard is it for us to acquire, to get into our purchasing group? Um, how much labor does it take? Storage in some cases, if something only comes in a big old case when we might only sell a little bit of it at first, that's something that we need to take into consideration. Um, and also important for everybody to understand is even though something's a good idea, it doesn't mean that it's a good idea for you. It's okay for things not to be good ideas. And, and just because you would buy it somewhere else doesn't make it right for your company. Um, and you always want to be careful not to introduce new items that, um, for lack of better terms, I say in the office all the time, well, that's going to cannibalize this, which means it's going to hurt your sales of something that's already selling well for almost no reason. Do you, is it something that's going to cut into your own sales and, and take away from something that you think is more important? 
Um, so for instance, we kind of had those thoughts when it comes to our breakfast wraps. Our breakfast wraps are doing great. At first we were a little worried, well, is it, how's it gonna affect our biscuit sales? Are we gonna have to start worrying about biscuits? But it, it's been a great addition to what we have. So um, realistically, the more ingredients we can use that we already have, not something new we have to bring in. So um, it's really easy to develop new products with things you already have if you just slightly think outside of the box. Small changes, uh, something like different cheeses, different seasonings, different toppings, really makes a, a world of a difference for products. Wow, that's interesting. That's There's a, a lot point. of thought that, that goes into it. And what's cool is I, uh, I'm a big dreamer and my boss, my direct boss and I share an office. So sometimes we'll just sit there and spit ideas at each other and uh, he'll have to bring me back down to earth. Okay, Angel, well, the price on that's a little high or I don't know if that's something we can do, but I, I don't always shoot bad ideas. So it, it's working out. <laughs> oh, you know, and right. that actually brings up a really good point because I think where some retailers struggle, some larger retailers in food service is, I mean, you've got to make it a real priority for your for your business. It can't just be like, oh, we're going to dip our toes into this. Uh, right. I mean, you have to have oh, commitment, commitment from the top down. <laughs> it's a I mean, and and it sounds like what you're describing is, I, I mean, everyone's on board. If you need to, you know, chat, I, you know, just share a couple ideas and get their input, like the door's open and folks are going to take this serious. Right. No doubt. Um, and like I like I said earlier, that's part of, of a benefit of being a, um, a family owned Louisiana based, Louisiana run company. Um, we literally all work virtually in the same office with the exception of our uh, accounting compadres they're in a different office um but the rest of us operations of sales marketing all that we're all in the same building so i pretty much just have to text somebody or holler down the hall and, and somebody's willing to give an opinion um so true to cajun culture we talk a lot and we're very opinionated so opinions are not hard to find in my office um, so sink or swim, we just throw stuff out there and see what other people think. Do y'all ever whip anything up in the office kitchen to see how it's going to taste? We don't necessarily do it in the kitchen, but we do run to Crawley a lot. Um, our deli manager over there, Andrea, Andrea is so helpful and so kind because sometimes I'll just go in there and take up an entire counter and, and throw stuff together. Uh, sometimes it's not even ever to be used and never leave our office, but that, that's just part of the fun. It's, it's a science experiment every day, and the good news is whatever you experiment, you get to eat with after. So I love that, a science it's experiment fantastic. with food. It's fantastic. So uh, one of the things that I'm curious about is being, being newer to the industry, uh, what most surprised you about fuel and convenience? I, I mean, it's, it's a $650 billion industry that the general sure. public knows almost nothing about, but they all shop at. Right, right. Um, I love the diversity. Um, I also really loved, I, I just felt like I didn't really know a whole lot about it. I love to learn. I love to better things once I learn about it. So I really enjoyed learning all about it. And there, there's so much interesting things that we do and trends to keep up with and things to read about and things to take into consideration. So that and, and just the overall diversity, man. You can walk into one gas station right here, cross the street, go to another one, and, and you're going to see two totally different things run by different people, operated by different people. Um, it's really great. It's extremely all-inclusive, which is something that a lot of areas of service strive to be. The, the C-Store industry is already there. They've, they've been there forever, and I love that. So... You know, as we start winding down the episode, one thing I always try to get a sense of is what what trends are you personally just really excited about as you look to 2020, 2021, and so on? I always get a lot of joy out of looking at random fad diets that, you know, hit Hollywood and, and hit newspapers around here. <laughs> so um, not every fad diet's bad. Sometimes they have some fun takeaways. Um, so things like bowls, um, low-carb low carb options, uh, healthier food as it develops. I, I think over over recently we've started to see people being willing to pay a little bit more for healthier options. So I'm hoping that trend continues and, and we'll be able to see growth on our end because some things just aren't affordable for a gas station to put out there if nobody's willing to buy it. Um, so we're going to stay on top of that, see what kind of successes other people are having with healthy options, um, expanding our full deli programs to smaller stores that aren't there yet. Um, we've started adding cold cases, so uh, grab-and-go options like salads, that kind of stuff, salads, fruits, vegetables. Uh, we're adding some of those to our locations. We've added two in Homa. We're adding one up in Port Berry. Um, so it kind of lets us showcase something we've been working on already in other locations. So I'm just excited for us to expand, to continue to do great things as a company, um, and, and really operate together. Anytime something's successful, there's great joy in watching it grow, and I, I think that's what we have here. 
Now, so, is keto here for 2020? Is it going to be out in 2020? Or? Oh, it probably won't be called keto, but it's going to be the same dang thing because that's what everybody does. They just rename it and charge more money for it the next time. <laughs> um, so, I love that. I, I anticipate it staying <laughs> around for a while. Um, of course, there's different variations of it. So, I'm hoping the more extreme ones leave, uh, the ones that are more well rounded can stay. Uh, and, and we'll see where that goes for us. But I actually had somebody ask me about keto across Facebook recently. And um, the great thing about keto, somebody's truly following it or whatever version they're following, um, our menu items being so editable, um, or I don't know if that's the right word for that, but a customer being able to decide what's on their, on their plate in front of them that they're ordering really makes a big difference. You could order a hamburger without the bread. You can order po' boy meats. You can order the meats as sides. So um, we are technically keto friendly if a customer is willing to go the extra mile and, and figure out what they want to order from us. There you go. I love it. They're keto friendly. Yeah, we are well, technically keto friendly. <laughs> you know, and to your point about fad diets, I, I'm, see, I'm fascinated with that too. It's just... Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, Man, it's interesting what people are willing to pay money for, I tell you. It is. And, you know, it was a few years back, gosh, maybe four or five years at this point now, um, I was walking out of a Barnes & Noble, and I saw this book that uh, was, again, a fad diet book. And I just, out of curiosity, decided to flip through it. And right. this person ended the introduction literally saying, if you do this, you will never have to worry about your weight again. Can and I just started laughing because even the best diets out there, the best lifestyles, the best whatever you want to propose are going to be subject to just the whims of our personalities right. and the fact that we're, you know, some people may fall off the wagon. You can't I, say something um, like that to I people. I actually call that the Dr. Oz complex because, yes. guys, i got to be honest with you, I don't care if you put doctor in front of your name. There's no such thing as saying one day this is the god of diets and the next day it's a different thing. They're, they're full of baloney. Um, and so... As companies, we just have to stay diversified. We have to be ready for the next trend. We have to be able to voice how our options can be made into that diet. Or, or and I mean, as a dietitian, it's a benefit that somebody in the office can say, "Hey, what do I need to do for this?" So and so is talking about this. What do we need to do? Um, so it, it's twofold. As a dietitian, we need to try to beat the trends, but to a degree, we have to be prepared for them. Yeah, and this and. This particular book, I think you'll find this part funny. Uh, the individual, I decided to look this person up because they're just literally saying, just drink a bunch sure. of smoothies and that's going to fix right. your problems. Of I mean, course, I, of course. I mean, I, I mean, I like smoothies, but I don't want to drink them three times a day and have sure. it for the next year of my life. Um, right. So that didn't seem like a sustainable thing. But I looked up this person because they were claimed to be a nutritionist. And to your point, <laughs> here's what I found. Their quote unquote certifications, one of them came from an organization that was shut down due to, by the FD, they had pressure from the FDA sure. from selling fake erectile uh, dysfunction cures, and they got shut down for that. I love that. And then the other one was an online course you pay a hundred bucks for and sit through some right. PowerPoints, and now you're a nutritionist. Right. And I was like, this person is being hauled on national television to tell people sure. what to do with their diets. Uh, All day, That was a little day, troubling to me. It is. It's so frustrating. And I love smoothies as much as the next human being, but when we're talking about smoothies, i got to be honest, there's a reason we have teeth, and it's because we can chew our food. Yeah. And uh, there's a reason we have a digestive system, and that's because it breaks the food down, guys. So anyone listening out there, yeah, smoothies are cool, but guess what? They're unnecessary. So continue to chew your food. Don't feel like you're doing anything bad by chewing your food. I love her. She's <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. I, I can go on for days, I tell you. So, you know... Just to wind everything down, a couple of things I want to ask you real quick. Um, you know, being new to the industry, what what advice would you have to someone who is dipping their toes into the fuel and convenience industry and maybe taking that first job? Uh, what would you recommend that they keep in mind? I would recommend doing your research, keeping your eyes open. Um, when people are successful, they're successful for, for a reason. It's because they're doing something that works in their area. So look around, keep your eyes open, listen to your customers. Uh, learn as much as you can, can as quickly as you can because you're going to need to know it fast. <laughs> and, and you've actually taken the time to go to a number of uh, conferences too, haven't you? I have. My company has been so great as far as encouraging me um, to learn more. They sent me to Vegas. They sent me to uh, Atlanta most recently. And it's been great to see even over these, this past year of beginning in September, going to that first um, October conference and then going to this October's conference, I've learned so much and, and really seen food service take off um, to them too, you know, as far as the companies that offer packaging. Uh, packaging is always something we're looking at. So packaging's great. Um, they actually headlined a dietitian at the big meeting. Uh, she was speaking on, on the 
on the big board up there, the presentation while everybody was watching. And I tell you what, I had tears in my eyes because I'm like, man, she's like me. <laughs> she looks like me. She does what I do. And so those are really great growths in our, our area. So I'm so excited for that. One of the things we also ask our guests is, are there any books, any podcasts, any articles that, that you personally really enjoy listening to or that reading or you would want to recommend? Sure. I'm, I'm actually not real big into podcasts yet just because whenever I listen to something, it's normally while I'm running and I kind of like either rap music or pump up music while I'm running. <laughs> um, but, and when I drive, I, I cherish people not talking to me, so I don't really listen to those either. But I will say I really enjoy looking at articles uh, like on the NACS website. Uh, they have great things, send out great emails. Uh, I actually included the link to that in the email I sent you guys for things to post. Um, I also really like a page called the Retail Dietitians Business Alliance page. I sent you all the link for that. And even for someone who's not a dietitian, it's so great to see people highlighted for what they're doing in these types of areas in, in the retail businesses. Um, so I, I pretty much focus on quick reads, um, things that can be sent in my email or I could bookmark and, and get back to. But I, I love those two websites particularly for what I'm doing and what our goals are. Well, I got to say, thanks for taking time out of the day to yeah, meet with us at the Bourbon Street Deli. I, I guess I'm virtually oh, yeah. at the Bourbon Street Deli. I wish I was there physically. but Anytime, um, man. You let us know when you're ready to visit and we'll whip up some stuff for you. Yeah, I need to go back down and get some boudin. Um, now, we had a place that claims to be selling boudin in Des Moines now. Um, really? I think Al would probably have probably have to have a talk with them about that. I, I don't know I, if you consider you know, that authentic. People from Louisiana know never buy Louisiana outside of Louisiana. Never oh, buy Boudin outside of Louisiana. It's not even from Louisiana. It's from Texas. Oh, my God. That's oh, they're, that's awful. They're, that must be like... Uh, they're sheeps and wolves clothing, I guess. Yeah, that's not real Boudin. Yeah. That must be like when we were in, what was it, Arizona or New Mexico, and I got Al to eat Cajun cheese curds because I'm like, all right, this sounds oh. problematic for so many reasons. For sure. Oh, my God. Because I, I wouldn't trust the Cajun food there, uh, right. but I don't know. Cheese curds, that's Iowa and Wisconsin. Right, yeah. yeah. We don't even know what those are down here. And I will say uh, a, a company actually gave us some to try the other day, and I don't really think we have the market for it, but they tasted fine. <laughs> they tasted good. We have cheese sticks. I mean, heck. We do I have to say, if you're, if you're ever up here, we've got cheese curd factories or grocery stores. We're doing samples of cured meats and cheese curds last night. Uh, we'll definitely, definitely swap some boudin for cheese curds. Awesome. <laughs> anytime, anytime. We're ready. All right. Well, thanks, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, Angel, for being here. Uh, and uh, it's so good to be in one of my favorite places. Uh, I hope to be buried here when I die. I'd like awesome. to be buried here at the Burnt Burnt hey, Deli. There's room for negotiation, man. We got, we got a little bit of hedging out there. Maybe you could be under one of the trees. I will chat to, with you and Bobby about that. Great.